the worst part worst about part. it is that uh so you know it sounded crazy to say Darius is going to outstrike a guy like Edson Barboza and then he does outstrike him and then he gets knocked out cold he has, he outstruck him for one round but he got he got severe i mean here's the thing uh, like i'm going to i'm going to talk out of my ass and then you can reply by talking out of your ass in my opinion in that second round he was getting beat he was getting adjusted to and then those leg kicks uh, those inside leg kicks landed and it changed it right away. And if you watch the post-fight interview, Barbosa even mentioned it. He was like, I landed four hard inside leg kicks. And, like, if you watch it again, I don't know how many times you watched it. I watched it, like, three times. If you watch it again, it does fucking change things right away. And and I don't know about four hard ones, but I know two were fucking hard as shit. But here's the thing, Sean. But, when When he lands absolutely zero kicks in the first round, then obviously it looks like two kicks are a lot. Because, I mean, finally he threw something. I mean, he was, yeah, he did land a couple good punches in the first round, but Benny was walking through everything, the, man. The first the first round and the second round are very different. you got to figure, and it's going to come back to bite him in the ass now, but you have to figure that this new Edson is a guy who will take one round to, to measure and to figure things out, you know? But, man... One thing that we also know that we've always known is he doesn't really respond well to pressure. If he can adjust, he can adjust. But man, if no, he can't, yeah, dude, it, like imagine the first guy that the first guy that he fights that can put that kind of pressure and move their head, it's gonna be a problem. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the thing that you're saying, the thing that you're saying, where you know, I mean, we've seen him not respond well to pressure before, but we hadn't seen the new Barbosa not respond well to pressure. And now we've kind of seen that, the, you know what I'm saying, it's still there. It's still there. So, you know, the, I agree with you on that part. It, it is a problem. Um, I don't think that this guy is a future champion. I still think he's got the same fucking holes that he had, you know. But the fact is, uh, if he can hit you and scare you off with something, then he's going to dominate you from range. And you, you don't stand a chance out there. And... Beyond doing, beyond being able to do that to you, he's he can catch you. catch you with one, one anything and end you. Yeah, he's got to catch you. But so, man, I mean, that's you were talking that's gonna about. Take, that's going to take him far. You were talking about how you know we need someone that can keep up that pace and move their head. Well, Benny did move his head, except he moved his head right into that fucking flying knee. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, uh, you know about. About ninety seconds before he got knocked out, he he jabbed and went to a single leg. Oh yeah, he did that you all fight. Like he did it all fight. Yeah, Barbo- Barbosa read it. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't it wasn't a wise decision, especially since there's really no there's really no hope in taking him down. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't that wasn't gonna fucking happen. So I, I understand. You know, I can appreciate him mixing it up, but. Mm, a lot of people oh, say uh, a lot of people say he's not going to come back the same. I honestly I disagree, man. Just because no, dude. I think he take a little bit of time off and, and come back. Because look, there's certain knockouts that are life changers. And even though he was out cold, out stiff, the reason I don't think it was a life changer is because look, when you think about the Terry Adam one, all right, Terry Adam is about six feet tall. He fell down 
all those six feet and slammed his head on the canvas while he was out cold. Thank God he didn't take a follow-up. But with Benny, you know, he was already down to one knee, like trying to shoot for that takedown. So he only fell about three feet. Yeah, it was it was crazy, and he only took one follow-up. So, you know, if he had taken, like, a couple follow-ups, then I'd really fear for him. But for what I think is take a little bit of time off and, and come back. I mean, look, Bisman came back I, dude, from that head no tail. I don't think it was that bad, really. It, it looked it a lot bad. worse than it was. It looked worse than it was. Here's here's how he gets fucked, okay? You don't put him in against a puncher when he comes back. If the UFC wants to keep Benil Dariush as a, as a, like, he's pretty exciting. If you want to keep him as, like, a, a fringy top eight type of dude... You bring them back against a fucking cupcake. I don't know why the UFC is so allergic to this. Like, you well, hold on. It's put not anywhere. It's not yeah. in, in this case. It's not that they're allergic. Benny's asking for the toughest guys. He said, "I don't want the belt. I just want to know okay. that when I retire, I fought all the toughest guys in my weight class." Okay. Well, that well, that's fucking stupid. Okay. And you have managers to talk your dumb fighter brain out of doing dumb fucking shit like that. When you come back from being viciously knocked out, if your manager is friend, fuck it. If your manager wants money, fuck just being friends with you. Okay. But hopefully he's friends with you too. He should sit you down and go, look, I don't care if it's whoever, no able Trujillo. No, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, like even a she dude who can punch, we don't want him. We want someone who's not a puncher. It's just that simple. Like you can't, like you can't just pass on a puncher and just get a non-puncher. Like, don't you want your guy to have a career? Does the fucking guy have kids? Does he want to make money and have any longevity whatsoever? You know what I'm saying? You don't go back and get put in with a puncher. Ask Ronda Rousey. You know what I mean? Like it's oh, come just. On. Why would you do that? Why I mean, would you do that? I get, I get your example, but I mean, Benny. I mean, Benny's. At, Benny was out striking Barboza. He got caught with a flying knee. He's gonna come back. No, in six it's months. not about. It's not about the performance versus her. His performance versus her performance. It's just about the fact that if you want to keep your person around, and the UFC wants to keep the person around, don't match him so life or death when he comes back. Just look. But he's the fucking fight pass main event against a nobody. Just do it. Let him build up. Let him get some confidence back. What's the problem with that? You know what I mean? Like, he should have people in his corner wanting that for him. Like, who do you want to see Ben fight on his return? Evan Dunham. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. It's perfect. He's not going to knock you out. You're probably going to knock him out, maybe. You know what I mean? And if he wants to wrestle you, you're good down there. Maybe you lose, possibly, I guess. But, I mean, you're not going to get one punched. You know, just like, let's stay soft here. Jesus. So you wouldn't give him Dude, a I'm just saying, no. No, no punchers. No punchers. Like, dude, he's got a whole career. He can fight a puncher next. I don't understand what the idea, if anybody near him wants to rush him back in against... I mean, whatever. He's paying you. You get 10%. You don't want your 10 What's 10% of nothing is nothing. So if you don't want your 10% of Benio Darius, then uh, put him in against a puncher then. Okay. 
You know what I mean? Like, take that chance. It doesn't <laughs> well, make any ironically sense. enough, even though this has nothing to do with what you're talking about, I don't think this specific guy wants his 10% because uh, he's the same guy that took Khabib to some random hospital instead of asking the UFC doctors to look at him. We're talking about that man. You, know you know what's fucked up and weird about that situation? What? You know how, uh, you know how, how mad Dana was that they did that? Yeah. You know? Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, of course you know. But how come he's not mad that Overeem did the same thing? Right? Well, Just because the fight didn't can't get, get well, canceled, right? Hold, so don't tell me any bullshit on. about it. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Overeem went to the UFC doctors. Overeem didn't go to some fucking random clinic and get rehydrated. And, and the, the other difference is that Overeem's a heavyweight. So even if he got the therapeutic use exemption for the IV... What he's gonna put on a couple of pounds and he's still within the limit, you know? Heavyweight, there's such a broad limit that you know it's it's a different it's a different case, my man. And once, Overeem, once again, Overeem, Overeem went, didn't tell anybody he was sick. Didn't he go to the UFC doctor? He, he said he said that in his own interview. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say you're wrong because I don't remember. But I, see, I thought he, I, I specifically remember him saying that he didn't tell anybody he was sick. I thought he all. got a therapeutic use exemption for an IV. I don't know. But, I mean, we don't need to fucking even worry about Overeem. But let's talk about Khabib I'm, for a second. I'm just saying, like, it's stupid that he's, like, like Dana's like, yeah, I care, but you don't care. You just care that. Yeah, but come on. This is business. You think he's going to fucking show his hand to the to the public, man? I don't know. I do, dude, I don't expect him to care. I'd rather he didn't care. I would just rather he said that he didn't care instead of being such a fucking uh, bullshit artist. You know? <laughs> but come on. You got you to play the role, man. I mean, look. He's not going yeah. to come out here and say, this guy just cost us a million dollars or whatever. This motherfucker, he's going to say, look, health first or whatever. But he could have gone to the UFC doctors instead of going to some fucking random clinic. That, that's the point here, you know, because then they could have agreed to a catchweight. He could have still came to, to the weigh-ins and the fight could have still been on. Now, whether that's yeah. true or not, Dana says he could have saved the fight. Now, whether that's, you know hyperbole or not that that's another story sean but uh that, that that's what Dana I, said i don't i'm actually a little bit pissed off that that the ufc released little jangling wait what why would you do that wait they what? released little jangling lee Li jingliang got cut he didn't get cut he got released but he just wanted uh, like a fight of the night a month I ago i know I know. Dude, like, you know, I'm one of these guys that tried to defend the UFC because I want to see the bigger picture and stuff, but, like, there's certain things you can't defend. And, you know, Lorenz Larkin hasn't officially left yet, so I can't can't talk shit there, you know what I'm saying? But but Krilov, look, I understand Krilov might not be... He might not be, uh, you know, the guy to beat John Jones or DC, but can't we just have exciting fighters in that division as gatekeepers? You know what I mean? Like two men of like, even though, yeah, his ground game is a problem. Maybe he's not evolving in that area, but can't we keep a guy like that kind of like, you know, he could be the modern day Matt Brown. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you don't keep them, you're a fucking idiot. And like, if I had to make a line on the people doing UFC, like, like planning what they're going to do UFC wise being fucking idiots, I'd say they're minus 350 fucking idiots. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't have to really be unsure 
how bad they're doing. Like we see it, like, look at who they're cutting, you know what I'm saying? And they might not be releasing Larkin, but they're shelving him right now. Do you really like, he's going to get that Magni fight, do what he did and then get shelved. How long ago was that? That was a fucking minute ago. It was. Yeah. The thing I don't get is that Dana's a fight fan. And I know the Fertitas were fight fans. Obviously, you know, it's not theirs anymore, but still mm-hmm. Dana's a fight fan. So I don't see why stuff like that's happening. But at the same time, a lot of the matchups they're making are still good. So, you know, we can't, like, say... We, can, we can't say that they're falling off the deep end. I mean, look at this fucking 211 card coming up. This car that just happened on Saturday was really good to watch. I mean, they're still great fights. It's still We still love it, but certain things, such as Larkin, such as Tumenov, Krilov... I mean, you know what I mean? Like, come on, keep the exciting fighters. They're, they're cutting good mid-level guys. And with no mid-level... Uh, you you can't sell good guys. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, you need bad guys, middle guys, and good guys, or the good guys don't look that good. And it's, it just goes back to the original part of the conversation where, guess what? When when Darius comes back, you give him a low-level guy. Build your sport. Keep your players. Like, it doesn't fucking make any sense. Everybody's got to go into the fire. Everybody's got to burn. Everybody's got to like live or die on their next fight. And and they don't get enough money. You wonder why they're going to get mad. You wonder why their careers fall apart. You wonder why 25-year-olds retire. Keep doing what you're doing, assholes. You know what I'm saying? Like keep keep doing it. I'm telling you, boxing model is coming sooner than you think. They're fucking up majorly. Man, I really, I really fucking hope not, bro. Yeah, they're fucking up, dude. They're fucking up. If this Connor, if this Connor Mayweather actually happens, watch, watch it change. Watch it change. Watch the first name that gets released. Uh, uh, find some old boxing promoter that everybody hates, and that guy gets in the ear and says, "Hey, buddy, let's let's get this guy from Russia." Get this guy from China. Get this guy who used to fight in the UFC. Let's get fucking Matt Hamill on the line. And let's put together our own card. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's all it takes. That's all it takes, man. You do that a couple times, it's over. I'm telling you. We've seen it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm telling you, I've been watching this bullshit. But this is why I don't watch boxing anymore. Because the best guys do not fight the best guys. They, they, instead of feeding everybody to the fire, they give you nothing until you're 26 and 0. And then they feed you to the fire on HBO. But I mean, like, that doesn't make any sense either, man. They're fucking up, I'm telling you. Well. Oh, well. Enjoy it while, enjoy it while it's here. Enjoy it while it's here. Because you got more fucking Shamrock Hoist Gracie type shit headed your way. I can only pray for the best, my man. You know what I mean? Gotta stay optimistic and hopefully. Hopefully they figure it out. Hopefully this is just a transition period. But that said, Sean, we got to break down another card. So you ready to do this shit? Yeah, it's freezing out. So we should hurry. I'm going to get sniffly. Get a fucking jacket, bro. I got a jacket and a hoodie. It's just that cold. Sean, are you going to be a pussy just today? Or are you going to be a pussy for the rest of your life? I'm going to be a pussy every day. It's cold and I have to sit outside. <laughs> I can't feel my fingers. <laughs> well, let's start the show. Welcome back to After Battle. All right, let's. <laughs> Fucker. 
Here we go. I didn't give you a countdown, so so I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. All right. Here we go. All right. Welcome back to After Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy. Your co-host, Sean Carey Tattoo. We're going to be talking UFC London, Jimmy Manoa versus Corey Anderson. And Alan Juban versus Gunnar Nelson. Sean Carey Tattoo. You're back, man. Uh, everyone was hitting me up asking where you were at last time, and uh, here you are. I can't blame him, Daniel. I'm the star of the show, goddammit. You know, it's, <laughs> it's funny, Sean. I, I lived, uh, what, what's that? It, it's funny, Sean, because the one time that you don't show up it is the time that you would have uh, you know, completely blown me out the water with your picks because you had four units on Benil Dariush, which, uh, you know, you know, I had, excuse no, me, excuse me, you had four units on Edson Barboza, <laughs> which, you know, uh, I had uh, Dariush there. And that ended in a non-controversial fashion. So, congrats to you, Sean. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I wish that I could have talked about that shit, but, but my mom came, moved here from out of town, and I was she did it on the wrong day, and there was no like, "Mom, you got to turn around. I got to do a podcast." And then she stayed here until her furniture got here, and I was stuck. My my apologies. That would have been a good one to go around on. Because we would have argued our balls off about Darius and Barbosa. And then it was one. So, God damn it, I missed that. So, it doesn't even count now, Daniel. We can't even count it. Man, you would have told me how much of an idiot I am for saying that Darius would outstrike Barboza. And then Darius did outstrike Barboza, and then he got knocked out cold. He did take a giant faceplant. Floater guard, as Eddie Bob would call that. <laughs> Indeed. Well, Sean... Let's get right down to business, man, because, look, we got Tom Breeze. He's minus 255, and the comeback on Oluwali Bang Boze, or Bang Boche, Bang Boche, is plus 210. Now, uh, Sean, I'm actually a bit surprised by the line. I thought it was going to be a lot wider than it currently is, you know? I do views, view this as a mismatch, Sean, because, look, Tom Breeze, I mean, I got to say, even though he was a minus 800 against Keita Nakamura and almost shot the bed, aside from that, he's been super impressive in his UFC run. And kind of like you were telling me off air, he really is the prototypical TriStar fighter. He's got the perfect body, the perfect reach, the perfect, you know, patient, safe fighting style. Doesn't take any unnecessary risks. The hand fighting is on point. If he feels some kind of imminent danger on the feet, he is able to change levels, take you down to the ground. And with a guy like Bang Boche, I mean, you know, no disrespect, but he really is not UFC caliber. I, I, I mean, you know, people talk about a puncher's chance, but it's not even really that scary with this guy. You know what I'm saying, dude? It's not even like the hooks or, or the overhand rights or, or the head kicks are that well set up. You know, against uh, uh, Daniel Sarafian, you know, he faked him low and then went up with the high kick. But, but I mean, when I rewatched that, it wasn't as impressive as it was live. And, you know, Daniel Sarafian is not a UFC caliber guy either. With Tom Breeze, you know, yeah. I, I don't often talk about, uh, oh, there's a big height and reach advantage. Well, it, actually, it's funny because Oluwali has a four-inch reach advantage. But Tom Breeze fights tall. He's six foot three. He uses his reach, uses his length. And it's interesting because you look at a guy like Max Holloway and we talk about him as being a long-range fighter. And interestingly enough, he actually has one of the shortest reaches in that division. So I feel like Tom Breeze could be that for uh, the middleweight division. You know, you know, he has a shorter reach, 
But man, it seems like he fights tall as hell, and I feel like he's going to keep Bang Boshe at bay. When Bang Boshe tries to charge in there, he's going to get sniped and countered hard with straight punches down the pipe. He might even get blast doubled like he did against Cesar Mutanch. And I feel like he's going to get finished here. I'm not sure what round it's going to be, but I do believe that Tom Breeze will win this fight inside the distance. And one more thing, Sean. I don't know if you recall that Cesar Mutanch fight. After Mutanch weathered the storm, there's about one minute left in the first round. And Bang Boshe throws the most, the ugliest leaping uppercut you've ever seen in your life. Right when he did that, I was like, all right, yeah, uh, I I'm betting Tom Breeze here. So, yep, Tom Breeze, and I got him in a two-unit parlay with uh, someone else on the card, Sean. Uh, I got Tom Breeze as well. It, here's the, I mean, this is at 85, correct? This is at 85, my man. Yes. Yeah. You ever feel like like maybe Tom Breeze is making himself too small in the past, you think? Well, you mean by cutting Daniel? so much weight? Yeah. You think he was, you know what I'm saying? You think, I feel like that affected his performance, right? He looked like he was not, he was not the right size. I think he's the right size now. Um and, you, you know, you, you know I love TriStar. I love this idea. Just folks out there, like, like when you see Tom Breeze badly outclass this guy, don't, don't shit on it because it's Bang Bose and you're like, oh, whoever, you know, you, lots of people could do that to him. It's true. Lots of people could do that to him. But watch how it happens. Like, when Tom Breeze instantly does things, to manage the distance and then all of a sudden make this kind of like wannabe brawler slow way down and fight only Tom Breeze's pace and walk into every trap that Tom Breeze wants to set and, and basically, you know, only fight Tom Breeze's fight. Understand that that's game plan. Understand that that's tri-star shit. Understand that that's, that's like the goal, right? Is to beat somebody up without getting any beating in return. And unfortunately for us sometimes, it's not important to the best guys if we find that exciting, okay? Like, it's honorable, and I love that you want to make it exciting for me, but if I was them, I'd say, I don't care if everybody in the world boos me. I want to not get punched in the face and punch this guy in the face multiple times. And I think that's the plan with a lot of these TriStar guys. The problem is that, like, Rory, for instance, too plotting to really do it. Other guys have other problems. Uh, if TriStar was going to build a body in a lab that they could then program with their ideas and, and make the perfect TriStar fighter, at the bare minimum, Tom Breeze's body with a clean slate with no bad habits is what they would want. That's kind of what they have, okay? He's had some ups and downs. He hasn't looked great occasionally, but you can see the flashes of greatness. I feel like right now is when it clicks. I feel like this is a great opponent for him to feel comfy against and do some tri-star boring things that you're not going to love, but you should. And you know, watch out for this guy. I'm not ready to jump on to completely and say that this guy could be champ, but uh, they're on to something. He is the perfect candidate to, to do what they want him to do. You know, a jab, a one-two, a, a good foot movement. Hopefully the takedown defense is better. Hopefully the get-up the get game is a little better. 
But I'm, I'm telling you, there's a new era coming of these boring tri-star boxers that, that it's clicking, they understand, and they're going to do it to people. So uh, I love Tom Breeze here. I have him in a, a parlay with the, 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 the Shogun doesn't go to distance from last week for two units. Oh, he's he's giving out parlays with uh, with pieces that he never gave on the show, huh, Sean? Well, I, I mean, I posted it last week. That sort of counts. That, that, that if counts I don't say it on the podcast, that, it doesn't count. That's know, right. That's the, right. The listeners are, are furious, Sean. They 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 demand a re, a refund. They're mad. But dude, oh, you know, I'm he, sorry, guys. He, here's the thing, man. You know, you talk about some of Tom Breeze's, you know kind of unimpressive performances or this or that but the thing is man when you're fighting a guy like sean strickland who in my opinion is one of the most underrated guys in that weight class you know it's hard to look good against a guy like sean strickland you know and also sean strickland would fucking destroy oluwali bang boshe as well and again it's it's not it's not easy to look good against nakamura either when you're that young and nakamura's had 73 trillion fights like that's not easy yeah, it's true, and he still got it done, man. And now at one eighty-five, I feel like he's gonna he's gonna have a new start here, just like Whitaker had a new start at one eighty-five, just like Kelvin Gastelum. Even though Kelvin was always amazing, at one eighty-five, he's destroying dudes. So I, I think we're gonna see a finish by Tom Breeze here. So we both have him for two units, and uh, next up, Brett Johns. He's minus three eighty-five, and the comeback on Ian Entwistle is plus three fifteen. Now, Sean, I mean, what else is there to say about Ian Entwistle? He's one of the leg lock guys. It's leg lock or bust. And, uh, you know, we can talk about these stats, even though the props aren't out yet. And I know these fuckers are listening. But, look, here's the deal, man. 100% hit rate of going under one and a half rounds for uh, for Ian Entwistle. And 100% hit rate of fight doesn't start round two. 100% hit rate, a fight doesn't go the distance. I mean, it's either first-round leg lock or first-round quit job. So I'm pretty damn sure it's going to be a first-round quit job because this kid, Brett Johns, I'll tell you what, before he came into the UFC, he actually has wins over UFC veterans. He's been the full five-round distance. He's knocked guys out. He's tapped, he's tapped guys out. And, you know, there used to be the joke, oh, you know, the UK wrestler and this and that. This guy's from Wales, but still, you know. But these guys nowadays... They, they don't have wrestling backgrounds, but they have an MMA background. You know, just like that kid Jeremy Kennedy, uh, the Canadian kid that we bet on last week. No wrestling background, no Taekwondo, no this, no that. But he, had, he, but he started an MMA. And that's exactly what Brett Johns did, man. And, dude, he really puts all facets of the game together quite well. And so we're talking about a guy that's good at everything versus a guy that is kind of good at one thing. You know, I don't want to call him a specialist because... I mean, dude, like it's they're not even they're not like Tokino level leg locks, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. And, and it's funny also. No, we, we were making a joke uh, the other day about you know, you know Twitter Usada and this and that, right? Like you know everyone likes to act like every fighter, you know, oh since Usada they look different and this and that. But if you go on Fight Pass and you uh, type in Ian Entwistle, you watch his Cage Warriors fight where he taps the guy out in 18 seconds, and he looks like the fucking Hulk. And then you watch his fight with Alejandro Perez, and he looks like a skinny weasel. You know you know what I'm saying? I, I wouldn't be surprised if it had an effect on him. But regardless, the quit's there, you know, whether he's jacked like uh, like Superman or not. And uh, I think the quit's going to be there on Saturday night when he fails to get the leg lock and he gets pounded out in the first round. So I got two units 
on Brett Johns parlayed with Tom Breeze. And I'm also eyeing the under one and a half, which opened at minus 210. It's currently minus 185. I'd like a little bit more value, even though there's edge on the opening line. I, I want a minus 145, Sean. You know what I'm saying, dude? Because look, even though it has an 100% hit rate, you know, what if uh, what if Brett John stays on the outside and picks him apart with his jab and and then finishes him, uh, you know, in the third round, which I seriously, I highly fucking doubt because the way <laughs> you know what happened if Brett John stayed outside and tried to pick him apart with his jab, what? Ian Entwistle would roll for a leg lock and and, t- and quit. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know, he wouldn't he wouldn't stay there and go, oh, we're gonna box, huh, motherfucker? He'd be like. Wait a minute! I need to roll for this leg lock. That's all I got. Yeah, there's like the under. Uh, the under is is a good bet. The doesn't go the distance is even safer. Uh, that's probably going to be minus five hundred. Oh well, but whatever. Um, you know, I've got three point five units, two separate plays, with that that are basically anchored by John's a guy that I'm not particularly high on, but. Uh, John's in this case, like anyone who fights Ian Entwistle, is handed a massive, massive advantage. Here's the massive advantage that Ian Entwistle hands you. He tells you exactly what he's going to do. That's all he does. You don't have to worry about him coming up with something new. You don't have to worry about him growing. You don't have to worry about him mixing it up on you. But you know what's going to happen. Your team can go, well, we know what this guy's going to do and can feel super confident about it and train uh, to stop that from happening and then pound the shit out of him until he quits. Many people have trained to stop his leg lock uh, and then pounded the shit out of him until he quits. That's what he does, okay? So he gets cut after this fight because he goes for a leg lock, he doesn't get it, and then he gets pounded, and then he taps. That's what's going to happen here. And, you know, we've talked about this, I think, with the last Ian Entwistle fight. The thing that Delquino can do is he's going to go for the leg lock, but he's so strong that if he gets you and partially, he can muscle the fuck out of your leg and just rip it off and can just do it to you anyway. Uh, finesse leg lock guys from England, I'm not fucking buying it. And, and there's a reason not to buy it because we've just seen it repeatedly fail, uh, especially in, a, in that whistle's case. So like I said, three, 3.5 units on, on John's and, and, I'm not worried because we've seen this. We've seen it. So, John's, yes. Minus 400. You know what Ian Entwistle and uh, Khabib have in common? What? They both pulled out of their last fights on the day of the weigh-ins. And, uh, oh, shush. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> U- useless fact of the day. And, you know, it's funny because uh, with Ian Entwistle... He uh, he pulled the whole he's greasing thing. You remember his fight with Alejandro Perez, where oh, yeah. the first oh, uh, yeah. the first leg lock attempt fails. So he gives uh, the ref the old uh, he's greasing the same thing that Tokino did against Nate Marquardt, and then he proceeded to get pa- uh, pounded out. But it's interesting because so the ref uh, he pauses the fight for a sec. He takes off his glove. He goes up to Alejandro Perez and checks his leg to see if he's greasing, and then he goes up to Ian Entwistle. And he's like, he's not greasing anymore. That bullshit, and I'll disqualify you. And Entwistle's like, all right, all right, you know, as if uh, yeah, I totally made that shit up. So 
Yeah, this guy. Uh, it's really weird. What, what is it about that? I've seen another guy do that too. Another leg lock guy. Do these guys think that they have like this ace in the hole that nobody can escape? Dude. Because they're 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 crushing people in their tiny English town with it, and then like when somebody gets out of it, they're so flabbergasted by the idea that it didn't work that the other person has to be cheating. It, like I don't understand the mentality behind the whole fucking thing. It's not just uh, Tokinio and Ian Entwistle. Even guys on on pure jujitsu, you know, the leg lock specialists, they do the same shit. Like if you watch EBI, the dudes that go for the leg locks early and they fail, they quit. You know what I mean? There's no okay, okay. Now I'm gonna get on top. Now I'm gonna do whatever. There's it's either leg lock or bust. And I don't understand. Maybe it's because look, if you get a leg lock, it really is one of the most dangerous submissions, you know, in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like you can literally put someone out for six months to a year. You know, some people can never come back from from that kind of a submission. So maybe it's just the power that you know th- that a leg lock brings to the table, and then if you don't get it, it's so devastating that they have nothing else. I, I don't get it, dude. I I wish I knew how many leg locks that Dean Lister had on in MMA fights because I don't remember Dean Lister being that guy who was like, "Oh, didn't get it. I'm fucking finished." I remember Dean Lister fighting. You know what I'm saying? I remember Dean Lister like doing other things besides leg locks. And to your point. Is, He's grandfather of the leg lock, is he not? You know what I mean? Like To your point I don't know, man. Joe Soda, you know, he got a leg lock in his last fight and then this fight he came out there and won a decision. So yeah, you know, there are dudes that are capable of doing that, but I feel like it's there's only certain guys that it really it really is their whole game. Like Tokino or Ian Antwistle, and I know there's a couple others. But yeah. So yeah. Uh, we both agree to kind of quit here. Yep. You know which one is a little bit tougher to call in terms of the method of victory but not the winner? Joseph Duffy's minus 625, and the comeback on Reza Madadi is plus 475. Now, we both agree that you know Joe Duffy's going to go out there and get it done. I mean, the laser beams that you like to talk about, Sean, the straight punches down the pipe, mm-hmm. the head movement, you know... Mixes it up to the body. He'll, you know, he he has a lead leg head kick, and also when dudes are taking him down, he's tapped them out with triangle chokes. He tapped out a black belt in the UFC. I forget it, it was a was it a triangle armbar against a Batman George man? I, that shit was impressive, dude. And with Dustin Poirier, you know, in his first step up in competition, look, a lot of those shots that Poirier too much, took too much too soon. Yeah, but a lot, yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of those shots that Poirier took, not a lot of guys would have taken. It was just the experience of Poirier. That, that led him to victory there. But look, you know, if you read the scorecards, because, you know, there's a lot of people that they just read what the results were, the, what the results were. They don't actually go back and watch the fight. So if you read the results, you know, Dustin Poirier beat Joseph Duffy 30-26. That doesn't really tell the whole story of what went down in that fight, Sean. You know what I mean? Because he fucked up Poirier right. to the point where Poirier had to get a serious uh, surgery on his nose. You know, it affected his breathing for a long time. And and at the same token, Duffy took his ass whooping like a man. You know what I mean? He was uh, getting pounded right. on, and he was smiling at Dustin Poirier. So yeah. talk you know, about that elbow. Talk about that elbow. Oh, that elbow was just disgusting. That would have finished way lesser okay. men. That would have finished a lot of people. Ninety ninety percent of ninety percent of the division don't wake up after that uppercut. Or, excuse me, after that elbow. Ninety percent of the division take that uppercut and they're knocked out. 
I firmly believe that. I've watched that about so many fucking times. It was like the biggest pot shot ever. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, he was like, Joe Duffy, will you stay there for a second and let me rev up my biggest elbow with your head against the cage and just plummet it into your face at light speed? And Joe Duffy was like, go ahead, man. It's, it's cool. And then he did it. And, and I mean, Joe Duffy's face immediately blew up to twice the size, but for some reason it didn't do anything to his spirit. You know what I mean? He was like, oh, fuck, got me good there and just continued to fight. And I remember I had, I had Poirier at plus money there and Poirier, every time he got him down, I relaxed. But as soon as they stood back up, I was like, oh, fucking Jesus, please take him down again. You know what I'm saying? Because Duffy would start bouncing and then it was like punches were coming and it was, he was going to catch him man. he was going to catch him and, and, and Dustin Poirier did what he needed to do and, and won, but whatever. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just left that elbow. That's all. It was, it, that was the meanest thing ever. That's a great elbow. If you don't remember it and you're listening right now, just go watch it. Just pause and go watch that elbow real quick. Cause it's, it's fucking gruesome. Yeah. Round one, it was absolutely nasty. And, uh, yeah, that mentality that Duffy had, I mean, you know, we talk about guys that are great at being the hammer, but terrible at being the nail. This dude, uh, he took his ass whooping like a man. So, And then he came back. You question, how is he going to come back from that? Because, look, a lot of people don't remember, but part of the reason that we faded Joe Duffy in that spot, or at least that I faded him, besides the fact that Dustin Poirier was plus 200, was because, if you guys recall... Poirier and Duffy were supposed to fight a couple months prior, but Duffy pulled out on fight week due to concussions. So then he's jumping back into yeah. camp right away and taking a fight like that. And you know Poirier fights are always violent. So it's, it seemed like the right spot. And so so you factor that, then he takes the ass whooping, then he comes back against Mitch Clark. And, you know, the under was set at under two and a half because odds makers had questions too. Like, is he going to come back the same? And Sean Carey tattoo, not only did he come back the same, he came back better than ever. I mean, he drops him with the first punch he throws, and then he, he takes his back and he chokes him out. So, you know, this guy, not only technically speaking is he astounding, but mentally he's got the mindset of a world champion. Even though Conor McGregor disagrees, you should, you should type in uh, Conor McGregor, uh, Joseph Duffy on YouTube. It's fucking hilarious. What uh, Con Connor called him a journeyman, <laughs> which is which is, yeah. really, which is really fucking yeah. funny. But look, he here's the thing: we got to talk about Reza. Okay, so you know how when we were talking about oh. you know how when we were talking about Tom Breeze versus Oluwali Bangbose, you know we kind of consider it, consider it a mismatch, and you know Duffy versus Madadi also is a mismatch, but it's a different kind of mismatch, Sean, because. Madadi's done some respectable things in the UFC. He finished a guy like Michael Johnson after taking an ass whooping. He went the distance with Norman Park. I understand Norman Park is no longer on the roster, but come on. That's a guy that went to a split decision with T-Bow and with Francisco Trinaldo. So we know that, you know, he's a UFC caliber guy. He just got cut because he's fucking boring. You know what I mean? So uh, Reza, you know, Reza can hang with guys like that. Now the thing is... Duffy's on a different level, obviously. So here's the question. Does Duffy put him away right away? And consider this. Reza has never been finished in all of his pro fights. Now, there's a first for everything, of course. But as of now, he's never been finished. And the times that he's been rocked, as you saw in the Michael Johnson fight, he tried his damn hardest to get back in the fight. And he did get back in the fight, and he finished the fight. So Reza is a tough customer. But there's, a, there's definitely a speed difference in this one. So... 
It's you know a matter of can uh, can raise a you know bounce back from the laser beams, push Joe Duffy up against the fence, grind out the clock, or you know is he simply just going to get starched here, Sean? I mean, bottom line, look, I got five units on it, just like I had Kelvin last week. This completes that parlay, five unit max bet. I believe Joseph Duffy will find a way to win. The only reason that I haven't bet the under one and a half, which is currently plus money, is because I'm not entirely sure Reza's going to go down, you know, in the first uh, seven and a half minutes, where I was definitely sure Mitch Clark was going to go down, Sean. Yeah, you know, I think very highly of Joe Duffy. And, and going back to that Poirier fight, I thought just as highly of Joe Duffy then as I do now. I had to go the other way because it was just too much too soon. And no matter how good I thought he was, that's a huge fucking step right there. And that was a really hot Dustin Poirier at the time. Uh, and it and it worked out that time. Um, you know, I... Uh, Feel free to argue with me. That's no problem. I think that Joe Duffy is the best prospect in the sport right now. I think that's due to the fact that he has the best pure hands in the UFC. Um, there isn't another uh, fighter in the UFC that's known for his boxing that is as tight and clean as Joe Duffy. Uh, Joe Duffy is actually, when he's in that mode, and he's not setting his feet to kick. He's not getting ready to stop the takedown. When he's just in boxing mode, there's not anybody who's better at that in the sport. Uh, that's, you know, just my opinion. Uh, this fight in particular, how we lose is uh, we know that, that Madadi goes right for a clinch, right? And, and he rushes stupidly into those clinches, and he's tough enough to take what what hits him on the way in usually, um, but he's not great at it when he gets there. He's more of a neutralize you than than like grab you and rip you to the ground kind of situation. It's not really about that. It's just kind of time traveling and 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 landing a couple punches on the way in and the way out type situation. Um, you know, it's how we lose this is if Duffy is okay with playing in the clinch, you know what I'm saying? Does he try to roll him around and put his back in the cage and stay in the clinch? I hope not. Uh, does he try to, you know, go for singles out of that situation? I hope not. I, he should do nothing except for the Edson Barbosa, Barbosa, Max Holloway, get the fuck off of me and slide out situation. That's all he should do because the advantages of him versus Madadi standing in the middle of the cage are monumental. The speed is huge. The power is huge. The boxing just by itself is huge. Uh, Madadi doesn't have good defense against anyone. And, and like you said, the, the laser beams, man, he's not just throwing sharp, crisp, hard punches. He's throwing the right hard, crisp, punches uh that matters um i i love duffy here this is a great fight for him and sort of a hometown situation and with this where duffy was headed from the beginning was like you got to think back to the beginning of connor and 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 when duffy came around relative to that like perfectly timed to come in as the foil to Connor. It didn't end up that way, but it's got plenty of time to end up that way. It's got plenty of time to go that way still. And I really hope that it does because 
imagine the best Connor that we've ever seen versus the best Joe Duffy that we've ever seen. It's kind of a boxing match. How fucking fun would that be? I hope that we get that at a high level uh, sooner or later. Um, but, you know, uh, this step first, a, a tough Resumadati who's going to take shots, who sticks around no matter what, who's been in this situation where he's gotten his ass kicked and won anyway. Um, no, too tall of an order this time. He walks into too many. He gets dusted off. He goes to sleep in this one. I've got uh, Duffy inside the distance parlayed with Gastelum inside the distance from last week for two units. And then I've got Duffy in uh, another parlay with somebody later. Speaking of Gastelum, he's fighting the GOAT, Anderson the Spider Silva. And Sean, we're going to talk about that at the end of the show. All right, man? So don't let me forget. But first... We got to talk about Makwan Amir Khani. He's minus 130. The comeback on Arnold Allen is plus 110. Now, both of these guys have been out the octagon for a while, but the good news is they're literally coming off the exact same layoff. So you don't, you don't really have to worry about it too much. But, you know, with a guy like Arnold Allen, man, I got to tell you what, I'm impressed with this kid. Firstly, like I said, he is just a kid. He's only what? He's got to be between 21 and 23 years old. And if you watch his UFC debut, then watch uh, his sophomore appearance, the improvements are astronomic, man. I mean, in, in that first fight, he took his ass whooping and then came back and choked the dude out. And then the next one, it was a, a three-round clinic, and then he knocked him out cold in the last 10 seconds. Unfortunately, the follow-up shot was after the bell, so they counted it as a decision. But... In my book, that's a that's a knockout, man, because he laid him out stiff. And prior to that, he put on a full package MMA performance. You know, just like I was talking about with Brett Johns, this kid Arnold Allen is also one of those kids that you know comes from an MMA background. He does everything well, and now he's training at TriStar, Sean. You know what I mean? He went to TriStar Young. Like that's just the perfect recipe you know for success in the UFC in general but in this spot in particular I love it because with Makwan Amir Khani he only does one thing and in my opinion yeah he's beat everyone he's fought I don't think he does that one thing really well dude he's the kind of wrestler that he dives on low singles and uh you know the dudes that uh, that fall for that shit are the dudes that don't sprawl or or know how to you know push the head down. They're the guys that literally fall into guard. Like you saw that Mike Wilkinson fight. You saw how he took him down. and He literally fell to his back and shit, dude. Makwan Amir Khani is one of those guys that if you sprawl on him, you know you know. Okay, so the first time, whatever, I'll, I'll get back up and try again. He tries a couple more times, but once he's gassed and he tries for that takedown attempt, Sean, pay attention to this, man. He's going to be the kind of guy that stays down on one knee and looks at you while you get up and thinks to himself, fuck, like, God damn it. Like, do I really have to do that? You know what I'm talking about, Sean, when they give you, when they give oh, you that look? Oh, like, yeah. You remember uh, Hani Yaya uh, last week against Joe Soto? You know, he tried a million yeah. times. but he was like, oh. Didn't get it. But one, God damn it. But yep. one, once it came down to that one time when he stayed down on one knee and stared at Joe Soto like, I really have to get back up and do this again? Like, Do you remember when uh, Ronda Rousey ran at Holly Holm and uh, she like fell down to one knee and and uh, yeah and then stared at her and then you know fixed her shirt for a sec? Like, it, It's going to be one of those situations, man, because these takedowns that Makwan Amir Khani brings to the table – 
You know, this isn't no fucking Khabib or anything like that. I'm very surprised that he's gotten to the point he's gotten. I, but at the same time, I'm not going to discredit him. The guys he's fought, you know, are scrubs, you know, and they're no longer in the UFC anymore. All three of them, might I add. So here we're, we're dealing with a TriStar guy that on the feet, obviously, I saw him knock someone out in his last fight. He establishes his jab. He fights tall. He protects his chin uh, behind his shoulder. Uh, he, you know, he uh, swims for the underhooks when the takedown attempts are coming, and uh, he stays composed, and he's wise beyond his years. I know that they're game planning for a guy like Maquan, and it's so easy to game plan for him because he only brings one fucking thing to the table, man. So what's going to happen here is, yeah, maybe he gets taken down once, which, honestly, Sean, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't get taken down at all. But I think that uh, we're going to tire out Maquan to the point where uh, he does the old uh, gets down on one knee, stares at Arnold Allen, and thinks to himself, fuck, I got to get up and do that again. And uh, around that point, either Arnold is going to keep circling and you know jabbing, popping his head back, stuffing takedowns, 30-27, or he's going to put him away, whatever it takes. I mean, Mike Wilkinson got close with a uh, mounted guillotine, but Mike Wilkinson had a, had a fucking affinity for uh, flopping to his back. I don't think Arnold Allen is going to do that same shit at all, Sean. I don't think Faraz Zahabi is going to let anyone from his team do something like that. So for that reason, I took the two-unit underdog shot at plus 110. Underdog, Sean. I mean, I thought you should be minus 150. So, uh, yeah, I think we have a best fight pick, huh? Uh, indeed. I, I, I like him as well. Um, you know, there's a couple things about Macwana Americani, like I can't lie and say that I don't think that he gets lucky. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he just, it just is that to me. When I go back and I research him, I'm like, all right, okay, yes, you do go full steam and 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 just go for it, go for it, go for it on the ground, and and he is sneaky and he is pretty quick and I, I get it. You know what I'm saying? But like you said, like he hasn't fought anybody like, like we've seen him, we've seen him gas out. If you listen to his interviews and listen to him talk about himself, he's kind of got like a Scoggins kind of cowboy thing going about him. Like he, like cowboy in the, right. Like his opinion of himself and what we have seen don't seem very connected uh, the amount he talks about, you know, partying type cowboy type stuff is, is so much that I, I guess he's probably really doing it. Um, he's probably considerably more famous than we, where he's from, what we would consider him. Um, you know, it just all lines up. You got a, you got a fucking humbling experience coming to you, my friend. Uh, this is the night. Um, I, I, I'm not impressed with him. I am impressed with Arnold Allen. Uh, you know, there's just something about him even before that first UFC fight where I'm watching him. I'm like, oh, I don't, is this a Euro prospect? And I was like, this guy looks like more than a Euro prospect. We haven't totally found out that he's more than a Euro prospect yet, but there's something there. And there's something to the fact that him, Duffy, and Breeze are all in there together, are all thinking the same game plan, are all peaking together. Uh, you know, it fits in nicely with my narrative that they're going to get the clicking over there. And when Allen, Duffy, and Breeze get clean finishes 
in front of a super loud crowd. TriStar is going to be very excited about that, and it's going to pick up momentum. And, and I'm telling you, watch out for TriStar, especially after this card, especially after their three young guys getting clean finishes. Um, I like Allen to probably have some speed bumps in the first round, probably have to defend some subs in the first round, then start stuffing the, the takedown attempts, in the second round, then Amir Khani's takedown attempts get sillier and sillier and from further and further away, and then you can see Allen take that over and start beating them with things, and then uh, full-on uh, momentum completely the other direction in the third round, and Allen can probably get a late finish there. Um, I, I like Allen a lot. I think, uh, I think he probably does get that late finish, but it, it, if not, a, a, you know, a good... 29-28. I've got uh, Allen parlayed with Johns for two units just because of how I think with the with the Johns fight, I kind of look at this as a, you know, uh, two units it. on Allen at plus 150. Don't say it. Oh, no. I, not only did I not say it, I didn't even think it. I just <laughs> like it a lot. So I'm like, let me use this as a nice a nice puffy anchor for, for Allen to get a, get a 150 out of him, and that's what I did. So a little, you know, a, a little daring, but but that's how I feel about it, so that's what I'm going to do. Hey, Sean. Yes. What round do we see Makwan Amir Khani give that look to Arnold Allen? About a minute, a minute and a half into the second round. As soon as the takedowns get goofy, and then he gets back up. But yeah, you'll see him do that. Or he'll do, you know, the other version of it is put both hands behind his head and wait. You know what I'm saying? Wait for, wait to see what Alan's going to do and then wait for the rest to step in and make him stand. That, that too. Yeah, I see that. I see that coming. But he is dangerous in the first round. And we were talking about this not on the podcast. Like, this sport is weird, Daniel. Sometimes blind aggression is enough. You know what I mean? You got to be careful of that. Just sometimes it just does it, man. Some, you know, sure. Sometimes it just happens that way. So you know, be careful. It is a close fight because uh, Macwater Americani is is dangerous early, but I don't think he's getting it done this night. Brad Pickett, he's minus one forty five, and Marlon Chito Vera is plus one twenty five. Now, Sean, you know, and everyone that listens to the show knows that I am very high on Marlon Chito Vera. And I'll explain why. I mean, look, this is a guy that, you know, firstly, he's only 23, 24, right? So when he's 19, you know, 20, 21, this guy is training with cab drivers and janitors in Ecuador, and he gets a 50K bonus in the UFC. You know, you know what I mean? That shows me that he has talent. And then he gets that fight in, uh, in London against Davy Grant, which, man... You know, the ref uh, the ref fucked him over in that fight. But bottom line, that was such a good learning experience because immediately after that, the day af- the day he, he left London, he literally looked for a new team. He moved his family to the United States and started putting in work with uh, Timo Yama. You know, they're responsible for Joe Soto, who, let me say this, since Joe Soto switched to Timo Yama, the dude's like 3-0 and or 3-1, and you know what I mean? Joe Soto completely turned things around, and Ian McCall also trains there. So, I mean, look, Cheeto's been putting in work with serious guys. Then you watch his fight against Ning, uh, and you compare that to his fight against uh, 
against Davy Grant. And it's a completely different guy. Now, I understand Nick Wang Yu, you know, that's lower caliber. But what I'm trying to say here is that the maturity that Cheeto showed inside the octagon, just the new, the new techniques he brought to the table... You know, I, I, I've always seen the little glimpses here and there because, you know, he's tapped dudes out with triangle chokes. You know, he has crazy kicks. He does a bunch of wild shit. It was just a matter of polishing it. And in that Ningguang Yu fight, I finally saw him start to polish it. He's not a finished product yet, but I'm starting to see it all start to come together. And uh, that win was monumental for him. He needed that win. If he didn't get that win, he would have got cut from the UFC. But now that he has it, I think the dude's got a completely <coughs> newfound confidence, and he showed a lot. He sh do you remember that back take where he jumped off the, the cage? It was like a Showtime back uh, take. That was pretty damn cool. And then also, he dropped the guy twice uh, in the second or third round, and he did, he did what he had to do. So I was impressed with that. Now he gets the opportunity, you know, he was supposed to fight Jimmy Rivera, which first of all tells you what kind of balls this kid has to take a fight with Jimmy Rivera, the number four guy on planet Earth, on four days short notice, shows you that, you know, you're not, we don't, we're not going to expect Marlon Chitavera to quit. That, that's one thing we can brush aside. Getting outclassed, that's what we got to worry about. So now when we talk about a guy like Brad Pickett, who is a legend of the sport, tip my cap to Brad Pickett, I mean... You know, you, you know uh, there's a guy named, named Dominic Cruz, who I'm sure you've heard of, and he, he beat Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. There's one other man that beat Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson as well. You know what his name is, Sean? Brad Pickett. Brad Pickett. That's the kind of legend this guy is. This guy beat Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. This guy, Brad Pickett, in his WEC de debut, he goes in there with a Peruvian necktie. That's how he made his name. And, I mean, in the UFC, there was a while there where it was fight of the night after fight of the night after fight of the night, the fight with Barrow, the fight with Demacio Page. I mean, dude, Brad Pickett, the dude comes to fight every single time. And you know what? He can even mix in his takedowns, too. He's got good blast doubles. But, man, if you really look at it, you know, even though I cashed in against uh, Francisco Rivera, because, you know, we always bet against Francisco Rivera, uh man the dude's literally lost like eight fights in a row and it's uh, it's unfortunate he's getting dropped every single fight you know i know he had a little bit of success against tomas almeida but you know at this point that was what two years ago and when you're at the very tail end of your career not just every year matters sean every month matters you deteriorate by the day when you're at that point in your career and uh i mean you saw that in the subsequent fights against cisco rivera Against uh, against Yuri Alcantara, against Uriah Faber, the Yuri and, and Faber fights both happen, you know, between now and uh, and October, and he got dropped, uh, you know, what three times within those two fights. I mean, you could argue he got knocked out in both those fights. Man, he's taken way too much damage, and I think that Cheeto, this is gonna be, this is gonna be the time. Maybe not where he puts it all together, but where he puts together enough to get rid of a guy like Brad Pickett and get that signature win under his belt. And uh, I think he's going to do that with a, with a low percentage mood. Well, excuse me, with a low percentage move. Shout out to my boy Rob Betts on fights. Uh, now, look, man, I think he's going to use his jab, keep his range. He's got a good size for the weight class. Use those kicks. Whether he can stuff some of the takedowns or not, you know, I think he's he's got a, what, 82% takedown defense in the UFC. I think Brad Pickett is slowed down to the point where – you know, it's uh, it's gonna be sad, man. And I got uh, I got Cheeto finishing him, so I got two units on Cheeto Vera. I took the plus one fifty. It's currently plus one twenty five, but uh, yeah, I like my plus one fifty. Let's go.
I unfortunately do not see what you see out of Vera. I don't. Uh, I don't get it. Um, I don't. I don't think he's. I don't know. There's nothing. There's nothing about him that makes me look twice. Uh, right now, he's to me. He's you know that completely average guy who's who's just teetering on the edge of of getting cut. Uh, I think this is the one that unfortunately gets him cut. I like the angles of Brad Pickett's last fight uh, in front of, we'll go ahead and call it a home crowd, even though it's not exactly a home crowd. Um, you know, he need, he he knows that he has to put something together and, and look good. And it's been an amazing career. He's got a deep bag of tricks. He's seen everything that you can throw at him. He's beaten some top-notch guys. Uh, his hands are good, but uh, this fight is the wrestling. I think that he probably takes down Cheeto Vera when he wants to. I think he probably stays on top as long as he chooses to. Um, and, and you know, uh, unfortunately, a little anticlimactic, but uh, I think he grinds out of 30-27 and, and goes out on that. And, you know, it's not a bad way to end. Um I'm not betting this. The reason why I'm not betting <laughs> it is because the uh, the amount of damage that he's taken, the amount of times that he's gotten smoked, uh, is age not in age, but in fight years. You know, in fight years, he's fucking 83. You know, uh, it's it's not crazy to think Marlon Vera is gonna is gonna stop him. You know, what I mean, it's just on paper, I think this is gonna be pretty easy. But this, you know, the fight does not happen on paper. So I, I like the rest of my card so much that I did not, that, that Brad Pickett didn't make the cut. And even when that number sunk all the way down like that, I'm just sitting there staring at it. And I was like, why? You know what I'm saying? Why? I'm happy with everything I've got. I've got nine units out. There's no reason to force Brad Pickett in there. I do think he's going to win, but the, you know, the the paths to victory for Vera are too big. So I will stay away on this one. But if you're betting on, on Pickett, I, I can't blame you. I think Pickett wins. I think he does it pretty easy. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a chance. All right. Yeah. Gunner Nelson, he's minus 350. And the comeback on Alan Juban is plus 290. Now, uh... Sean, you know, I've been waiting to talk about this one, man, you know, because uh, are we about to see Gunnar Nelson that fought, you know, Rick Story, Brandon Thatch, and Damian Maya, or are we about to see Gunnar Nelson that fought Albert Tumenov? Because uh, I don't think it's the same guy, man, you know, because it's funny because... No. You know, up you think up, the Tumenov vision is a little, bur- a little bigger, maybe? <laughs> man, you know, <laughs> a little bit more, uh, more muscly. Yeah. Man, it's interesting. You know, it's it's funny because what was the one thing we always said about Gunner? The one thing we always said, you know, we'd praise him for his karate, his jujitsu, this and that. The one thing we would always say about Gunny was, but man, you know, what if he made fifty five? He'd be a world champion. You know what I mean? And uh, then he shows up uh, to the. You know, first he gets mauled by Damian Maya, which, you know, a lot of people tend to do. But this guy, you know, and I, I bet on Gunnar Nelson in that spot because I was like, you know what? Gunnar's got such a good ground game that he can keep the fight standing where he has the edge. And, man, I think he's going to knock out Damian Maya. So uh, what, what does Gunnar do? He's, he, he says, you know what? 
I, I, I'm going to put my balls and my pride on the line, and I'm going to go out there and out-grapple Damian Maya. That, that was his game plan, Sean. So, uh... Yeah, wasn't he, wasn't a good one, was it? <laughs> he, I'm, it's it's like when uh when dudes say I'm gonna stand and bang with Paul Daly. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna out grapple Damian Maya. So it's like okay, all right then. And uh, man, he got mauled to a point where a lot of us were like, man, he might not come back the same. And you know what? Interest. Ironically enough, he did not come back the same. But it wasn't how we expected. You know, when we say he might not come back the same, we're thinking, oh, he might be a shell of himself. Dude, this is like fucking like. Like he's been, uh, you know, he's been hitting up Alistair Overeem's horse meat. He's been hanging out with Conor McGregor's uh, strength and conditioning coach because there's no more, uh, there's no more Gunny needs to drop to 155 talk anymore, dude. Because the guy that fought two men of, oh my God, look out, man! I mean, the footwork. It was just like everything that he brought to the table before is just magnified and amplified now. He's bigger. He's faster. He's stronger. So with that, those are just the physical traits. That makes it way easier for him to set up his takedowns. That makes his punches more powerful. That makes his finishing ability that much better. So this is the best version of Gunnar Nelson we've ever seen before. Now, here, here's my one question, Sean. So Juban, he, he's a gamer. What can we say? Unbelievable Muay Thai. Very good recover. Uh, what is it? Uh, recoverability. Is that the right word, Sean? We can go with that, sure. Very good recoverability, if that's even a word. Someone let me know. And uh, you know what? He's a gamer. He comes to fight every single time. And by this point, he's very experienced. I saw that in his last two fights. Because against Bilal Muhammad, you know, the first two rounds, he was dropping him at will. And, you know, the third round, he had to kind of coast a little bit. Now, I had a theory about it that, oh, maybe he gassed out. But I heard an interview with him. He said he broke his hand to the point where... You know, I, he couldn't keep hitting the guy with it anymore. He had a he had he had a run away for the last round, and you know, Bilal, on one card, Bilal got a ten eight there, which is kind of interesting. So, you know, he, here's my thing, Sean. Let's say Gunny takes him down in the first round, beats his ass, but is somehow not able to finish the fight. Will Gunny be just as fresh in that second round? Now, I understand in the two men off fight, it did go to the second round. He was just as fresh, but. This is a completely different matchup, you know what I mean? I think that Juban offers a little bit more on the ground and in terms of his takedown defense than Tumenov does. So, even though Tumenov beat Juban, but he beat him in a different area of the game. So, you know, let's put that aside. I, I, so, here's my thing. So, let's say Juban gets taken down, he gets his back taken, he defends the chokes for a round. Then they start on the feet again in the second round. Maybe gets taken down once. Now, from here... Is he going to get strangled here, or is he going to get get back up here, and is Gunny going to be gassed at that point, and is that where, where Juban starts to take over? That That's my thing here, because look, we're almost dealing with plus 300 territory. If this was closer, you know, I would just uh, kind of, you know, pass and lean towards Gunny, but when we're talking about a plus 300 with a guy like Alan Juban, who is fully capable of winning fights in the UFC, you know, we have to consider it, because look... Darren Elkins was plus 600. Yeah, we both thought Mirsad Bektik was going to win the fight. But when it's a guy of this caliber, you know, Darren Elkins, Alan Juban, I'd say around, they're, they're around the same caliber. Even though they're completely different styles, they're around the same caliber. So what I'm trying to say here is, are we taking the shot on plus 300 Alan Juban? We sure as fuck are not. 
No, we are not. I, I love minus 300 on Gunny. Okay, look, can we minus, just... Minus 350. Like, well, I, I got the opener, so, okay. <laughs> um, look, can we just talk about, like, Gunny's skill set? Like, super calm in there. Uh, very, like, I was even, I remembered him as fast. Then when I go back and watch, I was still surprised. This fucking guy is fast, like really fast, really fast, man. And, and the side kicks, the weird kind of karate kicks, the you know the unconventional ones that other karate people take people out with. He's got that. He's got very sharp, straight punches, and like I said, they're very fast and they seem to carry some power. And just as a stand-up guy. He's pretty fucking good. He's pretty fucking good. Then you throw on top of that, the guy is legit world-class on the ground. Legit world-class on the ground. I, I understand that you're not going to out-grapple Damian Maya, but while the wrestling is not world-class, once he gets you down there, and even some of the trip takedowns are pretty good, even when he gets you down there, I mean, you're fucked. He's at least backpacking you if he's not subbing you. Like, he's completely comfortable down there. He's, com he's completely comfortable standing. Now, the thing that happened when I'm watching, from my vantage point in that Tumanoff fight, is that, wow, Gunnar Nelson has, uh, understands his identity now. He understands who he is. He, he understands he's going to play a range game until he gets a little snatchy, trippy takedown, and then he's going to work what he's best at. That is a dangerous, dangerous dude. That is a dangerous dude. That is a top five at this weight class level dude, in my opinion. His cardio, while, like we talked about it, I did see him gas out in the story fight. That's weird contextually because if you remember him at that time, that he was the main event. I think it was at home for him, right? Or if it was at home, it was damn close. It was another one of these kinds of Euro fight pass cards. Uh, but I think it actually was at home. Anyway. Um, Sorry, which one? I understand. Rick Story. Oh, yeah. I forget where it was, but it was Euro somewhere. I think, yeah, it, was, yeah, yeah. I think it was in so, Stockholm, Sweden. Right, that's what I'm saying. Totally at home for him, right? So that's that's a big deal. He's still a young guy, like I. And then you get this monster Rick Story who's not going anywhere. But well, you know, until recently, well, it's, um, you know, that's a fucking big tough fight. I I get it, and he did gas out, and that wasn't great. Uh, as far as gassing out versus Maya, I don't know if you gas out. You just got crawled all over by the best grappler in the sport. That's a problem that, you know, that happens to anybody who, that, you know, Damian Maia on top of you for 15 and he doesn't get you. You're probably just not going anywhere. Um, but in that Tumanoff fight, he's, he's clicking, he's putting it together, he's understanding. Um, and if he continues to do that, this is going to be an easy fight for him. The thing about Juban is uh, he's extremely limited. I understand what he does well. I mean, I took him against Bilal, and I took him against Perry. Uh, I'm a Juban fan. I like watching him fight. But when you're assessing whether you're going to bet on him, you understand his deficits and you understand what he's good at. You can understand, you know, what his problems are. His biggest problems are his chin, and his defense is not great either. Uh, you're, you're telling me that he stands up if he gets hit with the combo that it fetch. 
I I do not believe that. I think he goes right to fucking sleep. If that same kind of thing lands on him, he's going right to sleep. I, I don't think he can take that for one second. His cardio, while we can talk about Gunny's cardio in certain situations, the majority of the situations that we've seen Drew Van in that goes that goes long, his cardio is not good. His cardio almost cost him the Muhammad fight. Um he's got the worst cardio in this situation. He is the slower guy in this situation. He is the less technical guy in this situation. And I'm only to the cardio is so fucking debatable because I mean, in the Rick story and the Damian Maya fights, that was just kind of pathetic, but that's not the gunny we're dealing with today. We haven't seen if cardio is an issue with this new, uh, you know, made in a lab, uh, gunny. So maybe it's not even an issue. there's not a ton of output in this new guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, and there shouldn't be, it should be just a snipe. It should be just to play at range and stay safe and then jump in for the kill. Uh, because what he really is looking for is a takedown to the sub, you know, like that's a good game plan. If he understands that and he's okay with that, he's super dangerous. And you know, when you're breaking down this fight, it's like, I usually do ground stuff last, you know? And, and I was sold on Gunny winning this fight before I got to the ground stuff. If this hits the ground, it's just bonus, man. And that's just gravy. That's, that's, that's even better because we can debate the cardio. We can debate the power. We can't debate speed, but we definitely can't debate, debate the ground game. There's no comparison. There's no comparison. And we've seen it tested. Um, I like Gunny a lot here. I, I've got three units on him parlayed with Gastelum from last week. Jimmy Manoa is minus 150, and Corey Anderson is plus 130. Now, firstly, Sean, have you seen uh, the new Corey Anderson uh, walkout shirt? Oh, yeah, it's terrible. Yes. <laughs> what does it say again? Ver- I mean, I know it's Vareem- supposed to say overtime, but Vareem- yeah, it doesn't say overtime. They fucked up, yeah. Man, if people don't get what we're talking about, uh, maybe go to Corey Anderson's Twitter and try to see if he's got that shirt, and then you'll know exactly what we're talking about. But, dude, Jimmy Manuel. So, obviously, the striking's on a different level. I mean, dude, I, he really picks his shots. And you know I love it when dudes, uh, you know, mix in that liver shot, which he does very well. And he's also starting to be more calculated in there. You know that fight with uh, OSP? The first round didn't go his way. But when he was taken down, he stayed composed. It's not like he was, you know, using up all his energy trying to get back to his feet. He was kind of trying to, you know, ride out the clock, wait for an opportunity, you know, maybe shrimp to half guard. But it was never, uh, it wasn't like, you know, Jan Blankovic versus, uh, versus Corey Anderson where... Jan Blankovic was a dead fish. And, you know, after that fight, Jan was out on the canvas for like five minutes straight. You know, that's how it worked. He got by Corey Anderson. But it seemed to me like Jimmy Manuel kept his cool. And the reason why, Sean, is because you look at his fights with with uh, Gustafsson and with Johnson, which were his only losses. And in both those fights, there's something similar. Well, you know, he got knocked out in the second round in both. But that's not what I'm referring to, Sean. What I'm referring to is that in the first round, in the first round of both of those fights, he got taken down. So I feel like that experience carried him over to the OSP fight, and he knew how to stay composed, stay calm, 
And in the second round, he was able to pick his shots and masterfully put away a guy like Ovin St. Peru, who, you know, a lot of people like to trash him, but, I mean, that's the only time I've seen him get laid laid out stiff inside the UFC's octagon. And we're talking about a guy that went five rounds with, uh, with John Jones, but it seemed to me like Jimmy Manoa might have, might have, uh, might have took his soul because right after that he lo- he loses to a, to a newcomer. So Jimmy Manoa had the performance of his career there. Now the question with Corey Anderson is, will he be able to keep up the takedowns for five straight rounds? I know he's going to be able to get that first, you know, the, the first initial, you know, first couple takedowns, and we'll see what he does with it. But is he going to be able to do that all fight long? Because if he doesn't, Corey Anderson is one of the chinniest guys in the UFC 205-pound division, Sean. I mean, I'm not just talking about, uh, you know, the Shogun fight where he got dropped twice. Not once. He got dropped twice. That one in the second round was a knockdown. It wasn't, you know, he caught the kick and fell back. No, no, he got knocked down. And if there was a little bit more time, he would have got knocked out. I'm not just talking about that. I'm not just talking about when he did the chicken dance of chicken dances against Tom Lawler. I'm talking about when he got his leg kicked off against Jean Volante, and then got knocked out. And, you know, it was one of those knockouts like, Sean, I don't know if you recall when uh, Hollis Gracie, not in the UFC, but there was one of his knockout losses outside of the UFC. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. So he gets hit once, and then he starts walking the wrong direction. Like, (laughs) yeah. And uh, that's what happened to Corey Anderson against Jean Vellante, Sean. So. There was all those gifts. There was all those gifts of that wrestler who used to do that as like a move when he got hit, like turn around and walk the wrong direction and fall over. You know what I'm talking about? I do. You I see do. those? Yeah. Yeah. That was a funny one, man. Yeah, that was a good one. So I mean, you know, Jean Vellante is doing stuff like that to you. I think a pinpoint striker like Jimmy Manoa. It's for sure going to do that to you. It's just a question of are you trying to risk him getting grinded out for five straight because the one thing that you can give Corey Anderson is the guy's got a lot of uh, a lot of heart. He's got a very good pace. He's got great cardio because even in those fights where he got dropped, aside from the Volante one, he was able to rally back. You know, Like in that fight with Shogun, he got dropped the first two rounds and he was able to really rally in that third round. In that fight with Tom Lawler, he got, he, he, like I said, he did the chicken dance of chicken dances, and he still rallied back to get the takedowns in the, in the subsequent round. So the question here is, is he going to get laid stiff, or is he going to be able to overcome a knockdown or two to grind out a guy like Jimmy Manoa? And Sean, I'm going to go with Manoa by KO here, man. What are you thinking? Um, I think this reeks of, of like, uh, like Cowboy versus Means last week, it just reeks of too easy. Um, I am staying away from this one. I I don't really see how Manoa doesn't catch Corey Anderson sometime in this fight. It seems too easy, and I think that he's he's not a 
pop you and mess it up somehow guy. He's a, he's a pop you and get rid of you guy. You know what I mean? Like he's a pretty good, not, not talking about how hard he punches. That's obvious. He's a pretty good puncher. Like his angles are good. Like he's looking to put it under your arm or put it like long around your guard. Like he gets it, man. Like uh, his punching is good. And I think if he gets Corey Anderson halfway through one of those dances, uh, that Corey Anderson is fucking going to sleep. That's how that looks to me. Um, on the other side of the coin, what's this guy vulnerable to? He's vulnerable to getting dragged to the ground, dragged to the ground, gassed out, pushed up against the cage, and beaten the fuck up. You know what I mean? Like, Corey Anderson has that. He's not good at it, really, but he has that kind of skill set. He can do those kinds of things to you. The problem with Corey Anderson and, and doing that to Manoa this time is that Corey Anderson is definitely in my, my top 10 pound for pound dummy rankings. Like the guy, he's not safe at all. And he doesn't seem to understand what he's good at at all. And when you hurt him, he's one of those guys, which, you know, noble is fun for us. But when you hurt him, he wants to swing back. No matter how hurt he is in the middle of it, and he'll start winging hooks. Fuck it, right? Like, all right, well, that doesn't work, uh, especially in the sport. Um, you're not going to scare a guy off when he's got you dancing all over the cage, and he can do a number of things to you. He doesn't just have to measure you and punch. He can he can just push you and knee you if he wants to. Like, I don't I don't like that model of, of throwing back when you're hurt in this sport. Um, uh, like I said, it's, it's unless Sean, easy sorry, on sorry to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt. Unless, unless you're Glover Teixeira against Ryan Bader. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, there's definitely instances where that has worked, but I mean, uh, you know what I mean? Like I'd rather no, no, you no, didn't. No, I get your point. I get you your didn't. point. Sorry, I just had to yeah. dick there. Yeah, I mean, and think about it. There's also times where you hurt one of these guys and they're like, fuck that, I'm a wrestler. And then they just dive into a knee. That's not good either. Like, but, oh, like you know, maybe? you can't do either. Yeah, well, you know, different context, but sure. <laughs> like, you, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't do either one, you know, black and white like that. You're going to have to fucking be smart second. Like, holding on would be nice. Um, no, Corey Anderson is not about that holding on. He's about the winging back at you until you knock him out. Uh, you know, like I said, on paper, Manoa gets to him. Manoa finishes him. Uh, but there's so many situations where it could go wrong. You know what I'm saying? Could Corey Anderson stay on top long enough so Manoa has no gas left? What do we know about Manoa fighting at home? It hasn't worked out well, really. Um you know, does he does he uh, does he almost finish Anderson and then gas out in the round ends and he's got nothing left for the next round? Like situations like that. There's something that's scaring me off of this. Uh, call it superstition, but it feels too easy. So I will pass. But yeah, the pick will be Manuel by KO. Speaking of too easy, I mean Tim Means versus Alex Cowboy. Look, the first time we broke down this fight, we said that Alex Cowboy is going to be way too strong in the clinch for Tim Means. And it's going to be kind of like the Matt Brown fight where Matt was able to, you know, push him up against the fence and, you know, eventually tap him out. And the first time they fought, man, Means, Means took down Alex Cowboy and almost uh, got a judo throw, you know, to a, you know, to a top position. He was out grappling. This time, 
it was just like we we thought the first fight was gonna go. Like, what happened there, man? Yeah. Like, was yeah. that like an anomaly yeah. the first time they fought or something? It's really hard to figure out who had the bad night, right? Who had the bad night? Cowboy, the first fight, or Means in the second fight? We need to do it again. Is what we need to do. But you know. It is weird how we broke down their first fight, and it totally was the opposite. But really, our first breakdown is exactly what happened in the second fight. Dude. Which I'm one and one. I'm one and one. But the win was plus two fifty, so I fucking I'm okay with it. I'll take it. I was pretty fucking happy about that win. I do think that you can learn a lot from from what Howboy did, though, because to me, in their first fight, looked a little broken, right? Looked yeah. on the way out. Looked like maybe even. Look for the door on that on the illegal shot, you know. But no, you know what I mean. Like that, that he came in there like that shit never even happened. He was like, "No, this is what I do to people. This is what I'm going to do to you." What first fight? I don't remember us having a first fight. Come here for a second. I'm gonna choke you. Wow. Like, yeah, it was pretty impressive. That's such a good. It was point. Pretty impressive. That's such a good point, man. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say, man, because. You know, it, oh yeah, here's what I was going to say. So, you know how you mentioned they got to do it again? It's kind of interesting because on fight week, Tim Means was saying, you know, we got to have a trilogy fight because I intentionally need him. So, it's kind of like he was alluding to uh, the fact that he might lose that Saturday. But either, yeah, let's do it again. Let's, let's do it again. They got to do it in neutral territory, not in the U.S., not in Brazil. Do it on a fucking Europe card and just settle it once and for all, man, because... What the hell? Like, how how was Tim Means stronger than him two months ago? But all of a sudden now he was like way weaker than him. I just don't. I don't. I don't think he was ready. I mean, and I want to be able to be like, oh, they camped him. You know what I'm saying? Like they were like, well, this is what's going to happen. So this is what we're going to do. This is how we beat him because this is what you know what I'm saying. But I don't particularly. Wasn't he at home for this camp? You know what I mean? Like I don't want to particularly say that oh it's the camp they strategized it and this is what they did it's obvious it's not fucking obvious he's got uh, there's no brains in his camp as far as i know i haven't heard of any anyway you know here's the thing it's a very weird situation they got in the exact same positions as they got in the last fight but alex cowboy was significantly stronger than him the second time around whereas the first time around means was stronger than him there it's not like the first fight was contested on the feet and the second time was contested on the ground no this was the exact same spots as the first fight just the uh, the different guy was stronger each time like what the fuck yeah it was a very strange i mean did you see the takedown that he got just before the choke like, he just ripped him to the ground. You know what I mean? Like, it he was pretty him. easy, dude. Like, that's what Cowboy Yeah, it was pretty easy. Man. It was really weird. It was... Cowboy is... Cowboy, I don't, I'm don't. i not quite sure of the ceiling, but there's something there with this kid. Like, he's a big fucking athlete, and you can see that he's a mean fucking dickhead, too. You oh know what I mean? God. And that just goes along with it. <laughs> and, and Tim Means is a... What you hear? What Tim Means was saying about how, like, after the first fight, like Alex Cowboy is like smiling and taking selfies and shit. But then, like, you know what I mean? Then he's like this mean motherfucker in the cage and shit. Like, yeah, and he acted, it's really he acted weird, like dude. it didn't happen. Like, what the? He, he's weird, bro. That's what I'm saying. He's kind of there's this there's a certain psychopath air about him, and yeah. and 
it's going to be interesting to see if they do it again. These guys, you know, two fun guys, two mean guys, nice little rivalry going. Like, why not do it again? You know what I mean? Why not do it again? That would be fun. I like Highboy, though. I'm a fan. I'm not sure how far he goes, but uh, he's, you know, he'll throw some surprises your way. If he can show up like he showed up Saturday night, which is what we were used to up until the first Tim Means fight, then I, I think the sky's the limit because that style is super hard to deal with. Like, oh know, yeah, it's ugly, dude. Yeah, yeah. ugly. Man, who, who do you want to see him fight next? You know, because you you finish a guy like Tim Means, and I mean uh, Matt Brown finished Tim Means, and then what was his next fight after that? Like Damian Meyer or something like that. So I mean, yeah. don't, don't give don't give uh, Means Damian Meyer, but you know you could give Tim Means the winner of Jake Ellenberger versus Mike Perry. Sure. You mean Howboy? Yeah, Alex Cowboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, did I say Tim Means? That's right. Yeah, I get it though. Hey, is that a? I don't. I say do it again. Is that Jake Ellenberger versus a Mike Perry fight in Nashville? I don't think so. Or is it? I don't think so. Man, so it was supposed to be, and they moved it, huh? Yeah, I think so. Damn, so when we hang out, we're not going to get to see the, the nice knockout that we were looking for. But either way, dude, we got to get down to Vicente Luque. He's minus 165. And Leon Rocky Edwards is plus 145. This one's hard for me to call, man, because look, Vicente Luque has come a long way. A lot of people don't know, but you know, back in the day, he actually TKO'd Tiago Maheta. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a guy that's fought in multiple weight classes all over the world. And one thing uh, that he's really done is he's put on a lot of size. Like, you watch his fight with Mike Graves, and ever since then, man, he looks like a completely different guy. You know, on the feet, I mean, his Muay Thai series, the way he switches stances and he knows what to throw from each stance. For example, when he goes to southpaw, he has that liver kick on point. And then you circle the wrong way, he's going to switch to... Uh, to orthodox and he's gonna throw a head kick on the other side and overhand right you know but he sets it up that that combination that he finished Bilal Muhammad with was textbook and I asked Bilal all about it I was like you know was there a technical adjustment you could have made and he's like nah man I, I simply got caught you know what I'm saying that that's credit to Vicente Luque you know it wasn't anything that Bilal could have fixed Vicente Luque straight up went in there and knocked out a guy that's never been knocked out before. And uh, aside from that, he's been looking impressive too. Even though he's been fighting you know, some lower-level guys like Rubina. <clears throat> fuck it, man. He's been looking good. And with Leon Edwards, I've been impressed with him since his UFC debut. I know he made a couple of dummy mistakes against that Claudio Silva guy, just like uh, Brad Scott did. But, man, that Claudio Silva guy, he, he's hard to look good against. You know what I mean? And not to mention, this is a completely different fight than Claudio Silva, you know what I mean? You, you, we don't have to worry about getting laid on by uh, Vicente Luque. We got to worry about the striking. So I look at a fight like Leon Edwards versus Tumenov, and the first round, Leon Edwards had a lot of uh, success using you know, the body lock, the double unders to use upper body takedowns to drag two men off to the ground and hold him there for the majority of the round. Now, Sean, I, I need your opinion on what happened in the second round of Leon Edwards versus two men off. Because, look, th there's a couple ways that I look at it, Sean. 
one, I look at it as Rocky Edwards was tired. Or two, I look at it like he was keeping his range and he wasn't getting hit by a lot of shots by two men up, you know? He found his way to, uh, you know, use uh, use the proper uh, distance, use his head movement, use his, use his, you know, circling and all the, right, you know, the parrying. He, you know, because, for example... You recall when Tumenov fought Alan Juban, and he teed off on him and finished him. Tumenov wasn't able to do that to Leon Rocky Edwards. You know, he didn't really hit him that much. He swung on him a lot, but he didn't really connect too clean due to the defense of Leon Rocky Edwards. And then in the third round, Leon was able to go back to that body lock that he had in the first round. He was able to take him down, take his back, and get the Mata Leon rear naked choke. So the question here, Sean, is can Vicente Luque find the chin of Leon Edwards? That, that's what I want to know because I truly believe that if he does not put away Leon Edwards, Leon can get this done, man, whether it's the, you know, the double unders, the body lock, like he did in the two-man-off fight to take the fight to the ground, or even his pinpoint striking because we've got to remember, Rocky Edwards was a striker first. It's only until after the Usman fight when he learned his lesson like look I gotta get this part of my game up and you know he started training at AKA with guys like Cormier guys like Velasquez guys like Luke guys like Khabib you know he's getting better in that area and it showed in his last fight against Tumenov so now the question is does he come in here with a similar game plan against a very excellent striker like Vicente Luque or is he gonna try to mix in those takedowns and the the precision striking that he's known for, Sean? Uh, I think he got tired in that spot, to answer your question. Also, it's very hard to knock somebody out when they don't want to be knocked out, right? Because you can say that there was, there was a lot of swinging coming his way and he wasn't getting hit, but there's not a lot coming back here. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I, I'm not impressed with Leon Edwards at all. Uh, the things that he does well are still average at best, in my opinion. Uh, to me, there's nothing going on with him. Um, Vicente Luque, it's like I've been waiting for him to turn into the guy that I originally thought he was, which is a guy like Leon Edwards, somebody that I'm not particularly impressed with, that I don't see anything particularly special out of. And the things that he does well, he, he are at an average level, more or less. But no, he is not that fucking guy. Somehow, he just fucking clobbers the shit out of you. You know what I mean? And and we talked about this, you know, not not on the podcast. Like when a guy, when a guy gets that most that mo, much momentum behind him and wants to do those things and then does them to you, does he like? Did he like fake it until he made it? You know what I mean? Like, did he become that guy because he believed he was that guy? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, he he can he can be like, I can knock people out, and then he can go out there and he can actually knock people out. Maybe that skill was inside him the whole time, and that Ooh, power was inside him the whole time, and and yeah, yeah. Well, no, here's and, Sean. And, here's the thing, man. He was one of these kids that. He would take like almost any fight when he was like 22, 23. So he was already fighting serious vets. That's why he had like a 7 and 5 record at one point, you know? But now he's putting it all together and he's getting the wins that he's been getting, man. Right, but, 
but we saw him lay eggs in those losses as well. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's not like he did the same things, but not as well then. It's like he didn't do any of those things, really. He didn't have the same kind of, like, aura, like, vibe to him. He didn't He didn't exude this confidence then. And I understand it's young, and he would take any fight, and, it, you know, he threw it in, thrown in with the wrong guys, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, if you watch somebody's career path and they do all of that, I don't, I don't see how he turns into who he is now. I feel like it's some kind of mental thing where he did what he wanted to do and now he has convinced himself that he's that guy and he is that guy simply because he thinks he is. You know what I mean? Like if he goes out there and and swings at Leon Edwards like he knows he can knock him out and then does, that's only going to grow. You know what I mean? Like he's going to get brought back to earth sooner or later. But I, I don't think this is the time. I think he could probably go out there and and, and do the same t- thing to Leon Edwards. Um, I just I'm not. I think that's going to happen. He's going to get brought back down to earth. I don't know when it's going to happen. That's not. That's why I'm not betting on him. I don't really understand him. I need to see him against better competition. That's it. You know what I mean? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on this one. But I think Luke wins, and I think he probably gets that finish. And I, I think whatever's going inside of his head. Uh, gains even more steam. Uh, I think you know he can he could be fun in the future. I'm just not sold on it yet. I agree with you in terms of him thinking that he is that guy and that he does have that that confidence. And also, he's going to go out there and uh, swing pretty damn hard at Leon Edwards. But I don't agree with your assessment of Edwards, man. I think that I think he's a little bit better of a striker than you're giving him credit for, man. I mean, you know, he's very surgical with it. It's, you know, there's no, you know, you don't have to worry about being like, oh, keep your chin down or keep your left hand up or this or that. It's straight punches down the middle. Yeah, but Daniel, he's not, he's not sitting. I don't want to interrupt you. He's not sitting on any of it. You know what I'm saying? Like his, his offense is, is completely devoid of mean intentions. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't feel like, He's a fucking killer. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't have that about well, he, him. He's not Robert Whitaker. I agree with you. But look, Tom Breeze isn't that mean guy. Sean Strickland isn't that mean guy. You can have those, you know, clean strikers that win the easy decisions. They don't all have to be mean. I agree. I like the mean guy, get, too. I, yeah, I don't I don't get that he's smartly surgering you either. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, I'm not sure what he does. So, really. so you don't think, not, you don't think he's uh, you know a, a junior version of Strickland or Breeze or one of those? No, no. I think he's you know I I hate to steal somebody else's word, but he's he's completely roped, right? He's not he's not doing much of any thinking out there. It's like this is this is what I hit the pads with. This is what I'm going to try to hit this guy's head with. It's not in a, he's not doing it in a, he's not doing it at any this particular time. He's not like, this is the right time to do this to you. This is like, I practice this. I must do this to you. That's, I, that's what I get from him. Not particularly smart, not particularly vicious. You know, he's going to outsmart you or, or out vicious you. I feel repeatedly. you. But I, I just don't think yeah. he, he's like one of these guys that, you know, one or two more fights, then he gets cut. Like, I feel like he's going to have, he's going to stick around for a little bit. That's my personal opinion, Sean. 
I could no, I could see that. Sure, sure, I could do. I can go with that. Well, Mark, Mark, De- or <laughs> I just fucking called you Sean. I just called you. <laughs> I just called you Mark, Sean. Mark, uh, Mark, Freudian flip. Mark De Casey. He's minus two ten. The comeback on Timu Pakelin or Pakelin is plus one seventy five. Now. Look, here's the deal with Timu, man. You know, you, you look at his UFC debut. He took it on nine days short notice. And, you know, he did a lot He did a lot of flopping. But he did a couple things right that I think with a little bit of polishing, it could take him a long way. For example, when he got on top, the dude's heavy on top. You know what I'm saying? And he could get those trip takedowns. And, uh, man, his full mount is very good. It's just that he's kind of, you know... He, he, he kind of—it's kind of like Makwan Amir Khani in the sense that he shoots for those low singles, and if he doesn't get them, he flops to his back. But man, it was a nine-day short notice, and then he comes back. Even though the result was 24 seconds, if you look at the walkout compared to the walkout in his UFC debut, you know he put on size. He looked a lot more prepared. He looked more confident. He looked like a different guy. He went out there, you know, uppercutted the guy, took his back, and choked him out. Now the question here is. Who the fuck's he fighting? <laughs> okay, against uh, against a guy like uh, like DeCasey, you know, it, it's a question of can he get that do- that that body lock, drag him down to the ground, keep him there. Because the thing with a guy like DeCasey is, you know, firstly, I really think he's got the mind for it, Sean. I think that he's a mean dude that wants to win, and that even when he's been in bad positions, he's you know he stayed calm. And he's found his way. Yeah. He's found his way out of it, and he's come back and win. So here, here's the thing: I don't think he's technically on the level in terms of his wrestling and his ground game, but I do think that he has the right mentality, and that he's going to be able to make uh, strides in that area of the game. Now, his striking—you know—once he starts getting off on his striking, you know, it's like a. It's like looking at like a like it's like looking at an artist go to work, man. You know, you start covering high, he starts mixing it up to the liver, then a head kick comes out of nowhere, then he spins, you know, then he slams you on your head. You know, it's it's really fun to watch. But the the place we gotta worry is that he is kinda small for the weight class. Pakellan is a lot bigger than him, and Pakellan could totally get on top of him. Now the thing with DeCasey, like I said, in terms of his toughness, let's emphasize that for a bit. So he goes in there with, with Frankie Perez. He wins the first round pretty comfortably. Then in the second round, he gets taken down, and he starts getting cut up, and it seemed like the momentum was heading in Frankie Perez's uh, side. And that's a moment where you learn a lot about a fighter. Like, for example, like Albert Morales, uh, in his last fight, you know, it was 1-1 going into the third, and he had to make a decision. Am I going to win this fight or not? DeCasey made the decision he's going to win that fight. And it's interesting because he is a UK guy, so you'd think he'd go out there, use his striking. He out-wrestled the Mark Henry student, Frankie Perez, for the for the third round and won the decision. So that shows me he'll do whatever it takes to win. He's just not as polished as I'd like him to be. But either is Timu Pakellen. That said, based on the will to win that, D- that DeCasey brings to the table, based on his athleticism, his dynamicism, I'm gonna go with DeCasey to get the victory here, Sean. Uh, as am I, and and DeCasey is not a guy that I'm high on. You remember I took Perez against him last time. Um, I, I'm not I'm not sold on this guy, but I can't lie and say that he did impress me in that third round. I showed some IQ, showed some wrestling, showed some guts. 
I, I like that. Uh, you throw that new thing that we learned about this fella on top of the fact that he can obviously knock your fucking head straight off your, off your body with just about anything. Uh, you know, okay. Uh, a, a real prospect. Uh, okay, I'll give it to him. I'll say it. He's not just a failed Euro prospect. There's, there's something there. Uh, that third round kind of, kind of did it to me. And, and while I'm not completely, all the way in on him and, and not super high on him. Uh, I can't be really lower than anyone uh, I, except for Packlin. Like, uh, I'm not going to, you know, it's nice of you to say those nice things and, you know, hope he's not listening. Sorry, buddy, but I think you stink. Like, I, I, I don't see anything <laughs> really. I, think, <laughs> I, I don't think that you should be bringing a 2008 fucking MMA game in 2017, but you are. Uh, you really have nothing standing at all. Uh, the ground game is, is rudimentary at best. It might've gotten you far where you're from, but you're in the big leagues now. Hey, no. Okay. No, I understand that he has a road to victory here. Uh, he could be big and get on top and smother and, and Dia Casey could lay an egg. Um, but I don't see it here. I think Dia Casey stuffs him and knocks his fucking head clean off. Uh, there's a huge, huge gap in athleticism. And and the the gap between Dia Casey's stand-up and Packlin's stand-up is times three the gap uh, between Packlin and, and Dia Casey on the ground. If you're even going to give Packlin the advantage on the ground, which is debatable at, at best. Okay, so when that number got down to minus 180, I cannot sit there and not play that, so that had to get played. That's 1.5 units, Duffy, Johns, Dia Casey, plus 122. Three-leg parlays. I know, I know, I know. I, I could, look, you know, I'm not going to even think the word at all, but I feel a certain way about the Johns fight. So I, do I am, uh, like I said... Go ahead and use that as a, as a freebie anchor. And, uh, you know, famous last words, right? But, yeah, that's how I feel. So can't, can't, can't ignore it. Can't ignore it. That first, that first round heel hook is so common, man. Dude, I mean, at this point, like, yeah, that's kind of what happens, right? You're like, oh, this night is going well. Oh, fuck. I screw leg lock. Are you kidding me? And then you hate yourself for a week, but that's okay. Yeah. There's always next week, but dude, Scott yeah. Askham, he's minus 155, and the comeback on Brad Scott, or as we like to say in Brazil, Brad Scotch, is plus 135, and uh, Sean, what do you think about this fight, man? I mean, it's a tough one to call, right? Like, Askham probably going to get hurt at some time in this fight, right? <laughs> what, what, what does Brad Scott's game really consist of i guess he's a, a brawler type with some cage pushing I, I don't you know i really don't understand it's like he has to go life or death with you to to win and and that's not going to get you too far i think ask is is probably uh the better more talented guy here uh his his chin is an issue but you know rangier sharper uh i will pass because i don't really know but the pick would be ask him who did better against christoph jocko uh 
I don't remember the Brad Scott and Christoph Jocko, so I can't tell you what happened in that. <laughs> they both got their asses whooped. I mean, it was pretty much the same, the same thing, a, a complete MMA performance by Christoph Jocko against both of them. Who did it quicker? They were both decisions. Oh, they were both decisions? Damn, Jocko didn't finish him? Okay. Nah, he, he easily outpointed them. You know how he went through the outpointing phase for a while? Yeah, now he's a puncher. Now he's a puncher, though. Dude, him versus Dave Branch. I can't wait. I mean, Dave Branch is no slouch at all. But, man, I was hoping they'd do yeah, like a Uriah Hall, you know, not not straight into into Jocko. Just wrong place, wrong time, in my opinion. Yeah, what do we know about David Branch? What we know is We know that, what he did the first time. We, we know what he did the first time around. Yeah, you know what I mean? Here's the thing. Even though he's been fighting, you know, <laughs> completely past their prime guys like, like Yushin Okami and Total Scrubs, like Vinny, Mal- you know, Chinny Vinny, I, 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 I see the maturity in his game, man. He's definitely gotten a lot better, and he's a analytical guy, but wrong place, wrong time, man. I'd like to see him fight Hall, yeah. you know, not not a guy like Jocko, because it's going to be, you know, Jocko's, Jocko's about to be 20-1 and one after this fight. I agree. But anyways, man, so Brad Scott versus, uh, versus Scott Askham. Look, man. Scott Askham, I had high hopes for him coming into the UFC. You know, he was a very high prospect. He was undefeated. He would knock dudes out in the regional scene with head kicks. But the thing is, man, he's just not that athletic. He's kind of slow. And all the wars in the gym, all the wars in the octagon, they're really starting to take their toll, man. I mean, you know, he used to be known for being such a durable guy. But you saw that fight with uh, Hermanson. And it was kind of alarming, Sean. I mean, that was the first time where, I mean, Askham really took one of those ass whippings where you're like, you know, is this guy going to be the same? You know, even though it wasn't like a, you know, Bigfoot versus Cain Velasquez or anything like that, it was more of like an accumulation type ass whipping, Sean. And, uh, yeah, I was, I, I was kind of fearful for him after that fight. So going here, here's the thing with Scott, man, he's been out for over a year and he's hit or miss, man. You know, I, I bet on him a couple fights. I'm one and one betting on him. And the fight that I lost was against Claudio Silva. And basically what happened was, you know, the first round, he go well, I don't remember exactly in terms of rounds, but I remember that it was going into the third round. And he clearly had a chance to go out there and finish him. And then he just got laid on for the last round. The good news with that, though, is that Scott Askham really isn't the type of guy to lay on someone. He's more of a guy to get off on his knees from the clinch or you know, throw, throw, throw a big head kick or something like that. And I do feel like Brad Scott is uh, quite a durable guy. You know, In that fight with Dylan Andrews, he did get dropped from the clinch, which is a worry, but he got back up. He kept fighting, ended the fight with a guillotine. Last time I checked, he is training at the lab, and Scott asked him, you know, he is kind of loyal to the people that brought him up. He's still at the same gym. So I don't expect too many improvements from Scott Askham, and I, I'm not sure what to expect from Brad Scott. But I do think Brad Scott is the better fighter and also is the better athlete. So for that reason, I will take him. And as far as a bet, I'm not quite sure at this point, Sean. Yeah, pass. Pass a Rooney. Timothy Big Dick Johnson. He's minus 160. And Daniel Omelanchuk. Daniel Meldonium is plus 140. Now, you know I always got to give a shout-out to my boy Daniel for being the first fighter in UFC history to get that Meldonium 
exception. You know what I'm saying? Exemption. <laughs> I keep saying exception. Exemption. You know. So my boy, uh, my ba- my boy Danny O with the with the Meldonium exemption. So uh, I mean, look, man. I think that Timothy Johnson is the stronger guy here. I I think that he's gonna find a way to get it done. You know, Danny Ohm, even though he has been getting better. You know, he slows down every single fight. And uh, Timothy, isn't he a D1 wrestler, bro? Like, you know what I mean? I, and uh, he has some yeah. good wins over over um, Tibora. In my opinion, he went out there and beat Volkov. He almost finished Jared Roshalt, who, even though we like to make fun of Jared Roshalt, he's a hard guy to look good against. So, you know, he went out there and did his thing, man. And I think in this fight, it's going to be another showcase. It's going to make up for the fact that he lost that Volkov fight. And uh, I see him being the stronger guy than Daniel Omelanchuk and than Daniel Omelanchuk and wearing him out and uh, winning the the twenty nine twenty eight decision. I mean, on paper, these guys neutralize the piss out of each other until the third round when Daniel has no cardio left, but uh, somehow uh, Timmy Johnson still does, even though he doesn't look like he does should or should anyway. Um, but he does, he's proven that over and over again. So he wins the third round. So this, this fight being one, one going into the third and Timmy Johnson winning it. Yeah. That, that kind of seems like how it should go. Um, you know, but they're, they're low level heavyweights basically. Well, unfortunately they're kind of middle level heavyweights. Um, there's, there's no telling really. This is another pass for me, but on, on paper, I agree with you. Uh, Danny O's cardio problems show up yet again. Darren Stewart, he's minus 175, and Francie Marbajos is plus 155. Now, it's funny, Sean, because I would say go go back and watch the first fight, but then I did that last week with Tim Means, and we saw how that went down, but let's say this. Go back and watch the first fight, and if they both show up like that, I gotta go with uh with Darren Stewart, man. You know he seems like the tougher, the, like the harder puncher. And not only that, we've seen Francimar Bajos quit in the past, so this isn't a one-time thing, man. You know what I mean? And Darren Stewart's probably super hungry, especially fighting at home. And I think he's gonna crack him again in the first round and put him away. Minus one seventy-five kind of sucks, but uh, I, that that's my pick. Yeah, you just did a very mean thing to our listeners. It, do not go back and watch that first fight. Let me summarize it for you because it's very short <laughs> and very terrible. It's, it's, they stand there, okay, and then uh, Stuart throws the stupidest, ugliest Superman punch you've ever seen and then rushes it. Like, I love aggression, but there's, like, every now and then, I call, I call it Waterboy aggression. Remember that movie Waterboy where he would just get super mad and go, ah, and just, like, storm at him, you know what I mean? And, the, like, it was... Adam Sandler. Oh, ugly and sloppy as shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, like, water boy takedown, goes for a takedown against Bohoso and, like, just, like, charges at him with his arms out, like, like Frankenstein, and, and doesn't do anything to him. Like, just lands there and pushes on him. And then, like, like they kind of stay tied up and swing each other around for a little while, and then they, he, Stuart, like, Waterboy pushes them into the other side of the cage, where somehow he, he, like, lands this barely headbutt on him by accident, and then Bohoso puts both hands on his face and holds on to it, and, and then, like, tries to get the ref to come over, and the ref is like, huh, I, I didn't see anything. Also, I, you know, I didn't see anything either. So then he just, like, 
keeps holding his face, and Stuart yanks his legs out and then gets on top of him and pummels the shit out of him, and Bohosa never takes his hands off his jaw for the whole time. And that's it. And it's like a minute and 15 seconds long. So don't watch it. I just told you everything you need to know. So based on that first fight, I don't think you can judge a goddamn thing in the second fight. Based on, I, I know that, that Bohosa, like you said, has shown plenty of quit and plenty of yuck in the past. Um, Stewart, who knows? You know what I mean? I'd love to say that he could take him down and ground and pound him, but I mean, maybe only if Bohoso is holding his face for some reason. So who knows what's going to happen? This is another pass, but you know, just based on amount of quit in your past, I'll, I'll go with Stewart. You got a quick pick on the chick fight? Uh, Lena Landsberg is tough as shit. That's it. So I'll go with her. Hey, you hit the the starts round two prop against Cyborg. That's right. I did. I did. I, you know what? I actually think she's pretty good. You know what I mean? And like, it showed a weird, a weird amount of composure in that Cyborg fight, didn't she? You know what I mean? Like, how many people get barnstormed by Cyborg and do what she did? And she's like, nope, I'm going to work my game. Ow. <laughs> nope, this is what I do. Ow, ow. You know what I mean? Just did that and made it to the second round. She's pretty tough, man. She's, she's okay. She's okay. She, she took the, the ass whooping like a woman. Yeah, indeed. So is this chick, Lucy Pudilova, any good? I only look at one fight because I know I'm not going to bet this. What I saw, uh, no. But uh, honestly, when you went back and looked at Landsberg, when you went back and looked at Landsberg, uh, there wasn't much to see there either. So, and and she was, you know, surprisingly better than she appeared to be. So, you know, I don't. It, there's not enough information to do anything with this fight. Uh, there's not, you know, I wanted the over. That's the only reason why I look. I couldn't make a judgment on that, so I'll pass. But as far as the pick goes, it's Landsberg. And, man, you know there's no UFC for a while after this, so there is a Bellator How long? What's that? How long? Like three Two? weeks. Two weeks? Three weeks. Fuck. I know. Three? Right? I know. What are we going to do with our lives? What the fuck am I going to do? I know, right? But God damn it. Oh, no. Emmanuel Sanchez is fighting against Marcos Galvo, and I don't always bet Bellator, but when I do, it's when Emmanuel Sanchez is fighting, and this kid's a money train, so make sure you bet him in this fight against Marcos Galvo. Uh, Sean, you seen this kid, Emmanuel Sanchez? Yeah, he's, he's pretty good, but uh, Galvo is, you know, scary, and he's one of those people who in, in somehow, I don't know how, but somehow can impose his pace on you, which is usually a bad thing if you're trying to stay awake. Yeah, but Sean, you know what? He's moving up a weight class. He's about 40 years old, and uh, this kid, Emmanuel, it's wrong place, wrong time. Uh, we, we can talk about it next week. I just wanted to point that out, that that fight is happening. But, dude, we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, the Sean Carey tattoo, the fight to watch for UFC London. What is it, man? Uh, the fight to watch. The fight to watch is going to be Corey Anderson and Jimmy Manoa because I think that, uh, you know, we're talking about when we do this, when I do this anyway, it's always about action. I think this has a, a 
great propensity to be an action fight. I think there's going to be lots of aggression from Anderson, lots of cage push to takedown, and, and lots of top control, the ground and pound. And then I think it's going to be super dangerous for Corey Anderson whenever it's not that, whenever it's just standing. Man who is super sharp can probably end it at any moment. Uh, Corey Anderson looks funny when he gets hit hard, so that's fun. You know, it should be a fun action fight because even if it's just Anderson on top for three rounds, he's going to get tired, then it's going to get sloppy, then punches are going to start flying. It'll be fun at some time in there. These these two guys in the five-rounder, there's no way that it's not going to get weird. My fight to watch is Brad Pickett versus Marlon Chito Vera. Look, this is the last ever fight for Brad Pickett. I mean, the guy's been in the game forever. He's a legend. He's had unbelievable fights in the sport, and he's taken on a very young gun in Chito Vera, and uh, I cannot wait to see how this one unfolds. That is my fight to watch. Sean, who is your fighter to watch? Tom Breeze, the TriStar fucking robot. Watch out for Tom Breeze. Whenever I watched him and I was a little disappointed and was like, come on, dude, I know, I know it's in there. I know you're better than this. I always felt like it was he was sucking down too much. He was getting too small, and and this kid's huge ass body cannot support that weight class. And then it was like he needed to go up. Now he's going up. Now I think we're going to see him at his full potential. He's got a super beatable guy in front of him. He's got like two other good guys in his camp that are getting ready at the same time. They've got to be feeling good about this. This is going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun, and and Tom Breeze is going to show up big, and it, it might not be, like, impressive in the way that you want, like some vicious animal who jumps on you and knocks you out. It's not going to be that, but we will see, like, that surgical kind of performance that, that everybody has problems going up against. You know what I mean? Like, solid boxing, a real jab, decent kicks, yes. Tom Breeze. My fighter to watch is Arnold Allen. Look, this kid, firstly, he's just a kid. And not only that, he's also training at TriStar, just like Tom Breeze, just like Joe Duffy. And he really brings something special to the table. I think that it's going to be very impressive the way he stuffs the takedowns of a guy like Makwan Amirkani, who has been dominant as of, as of, as of now in his UFC career. And uh, I think this is going to be a turning point for Arnold Allen. And he's going to come through as the underdog. So that is my fighter to watch. Now, Sean, we did it, man. Another fight prediction, another another card. We, we, took, a, we took a little bit of time this time to make up for, uh, for last time, but here we are, and uh, damn, three weeks without UFC. What are we going to do, bro? I don't know. Hey, Dan says uh, Caldwell. Oh, yeah, Emmanuel Sanchez, like we said. Well, Sean cared. Anything you want to let the listeners, the supporters, the audience know before we get out of here? Nope, that is it. My bets are posted, as always, on my Twitter. And you can check out uh, my Instagram if you want to see pictures of my work. And that is it. Follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Hook up the five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. And, Sean, until the next time, let's cash these bets.